Wow, who knew there are so many ways to make a difference? We ran out of time on the last episode and we were just getting started. We're back at Susan's kitchen table. It's becoming my home away from home. Grab a snack and settle in with us to learn more ways to make a difference and change someone's life. Hey there, I'm Julie, and you're listening to JJ Life on Purpose, where I invite you to join me on this journey called life, where we learn to redefine ourselves to be the me God intended us to be. You're more than a parent and more than your career. You're more than any other labels you've picked up along the way. If you find yourself searching for your purpose beyond your titles, then you're in the right place. As a self-proclaimed prime major, because I'm not middle-aged, I'm in my prime. I'm choosing joy in this season and the story I'm living. Regardless of our age, we all want to make the most out of our life. So stick around and together we will pursue our passions with purpose and on purpose. Welcome back, Prime Majors. We are still here talking with Susan Creel about her motto, make a life, make a living, make a difference, and her mission statement that is to affect the lives of people all over the world to change their own personal worlds. We talked so long that we had to take a break and uh, and actually think we just tipped the iceberg or touched the tip of the iceberg because last time we were talking about uh, the beginning of your life being as what you called, and I put it in quotation marks, uh, being wrecked with a heart for missions, and uh, that started in Russia. Um, and went to water wells in Mexico uh, that God literally had to remove you guys drag from, drag, kicking, kicking <laughs> and screaming, screaming feeding children in Kenya. Just now we were talking off mic uh, during the break about a project that you really can't speak freely about, right. but kind of kind of recap uh, if you can without without getting uh, anybody in, in some trouble. Yeah, so I, I think the best way to... I think what, what we were talking about was how missions um, affects the lives of people that, well, that can't bless you back. Right. And so it's, it's um, and I never dreamed whenever we went on that first trip to Russia, what God would allow us to do later on. And so, um, I, and I heard a quote this morning, actually, it's a song, actually. Uh, but one of the lines in the song was like, I don't want to chase what the world does. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, uh, and that's kind of a, it could be a motto. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to chase the things uh, that the world does, nor do I want to chase them for the same reasons that the world does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, if I'm going to chase resource, um, in other words, if I'm going to make a living, mm-hmm. well, I have to make a living. Yeah. Right? You have to pay your bills. Um, you have to make a life. Otherwise, you won't have a life to come back to. You should make a difference. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if I'm going to chase a resource, if I'm going to use a resource, I want to do it for the right reasons. Um, and so I never dreamed when we went to Russia uh, back, you know, in our early 20s, that opportunities like what recently happened for us. Yeah. Um, so uh, recently we were called by a friend of ours who, in combination with another friend of ours, who are both missionaries in um, countries that are adjacent to each other, that we can't really talk about, mm-hmm. uh, found out about an orphanage that um, is up in the mountains, um, and they needed some medical supplies. And so um, the orphans are actually, uh, there's between 75 and 100 of them at this little orphanage, and um, and they just got word that they really just didn't have uh, what they needed, mm-hmm. uh, food-wise, medical supplies-wise. 
um, and the rainy season was starting. And so we, they really needed, you know, somebody to kind of step in and help. Well, when we got the phone call, um, I was very grateful that not only they told us how much it would cost, and I was grateful that we, it, it wasn't a number that we had to blink at, that we could just say yes. Mm-hmm. That we could, and so we were able to just resource them to do whatever. And it was weeks, weeks and weeks before we found out what had happened. And so we were not only able to um, give them, get them the medical supplies they needed and some food supplies to help get them through the rainy season, things like that. Uh, but just as a surprise for the kids, we were able to help supply them with pizza. Wow. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> something that the kids probably had never had and things like that. And so um, I just never dreamed whenever, whenever we were in Russia um, that that the Lord would open up our opportunities for us to do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's, um, and, and I also want to, you know, one of the things that if you're not careful, you'll look at missions and think, Oh, well, it's all over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll think it's in a foreign country. Yeah. Missions does not <laughs> just happen yeah. in foreign countries and little orphanages in the mountains and foreign countries. Yeah. Um, it happens right here at home mm-hmm. as well. And so one of my favorite missions fields, um, is, um, well, two places. Number one, our office mm-hmm. um, is one of our, my favorite mission fields because um, these are not only women that we and men that we work with, but, um, but they have families. Mm-hmm. And so if we can, um, if we can be a, a witness to them, then it affects their families. Yeah. Um, but my other favorite mission field is uh, the gas station that we use over here. It's actually called, it's Conoco, I think is what it is. Is <laughs> the one we call Conoco on the Rock? Oh, no, no, it's a different one. Actually, oh, okay. I'm sorry. So it's the one they just changed. It's over here on MLK. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, yeah. But, it's, uh, but every time I go to that, um, it kind of started off as a joke, but every time I go to that gas station to get gas, uh, which our whole company uses that for a company gas station, um, every time I go there to get gas, God would speak to me and say, hey, I need you to, I need you to witness that guy. Uh, or I need you to go encourage that girl or talk to that woman or... And so it kind of became a joke that every time I went to this gas station, um, I couldn't just go and fill up with gas. Cause, mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me that what was really happening was I was I started to anticipate every time that I was going to the gas station mm-hmm. that the Lord was going to tell me to do something. And so it changed the way I thought about missions. And that is, if I start thinking about Mexico, mm-hmm. my heart will break for it. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I'm willing to send all my resources, all my time, all my talent there. Um, and then if... And then if I know I'm going to this gas station, mm-hmm. I start realizing um, that if I go, um, which I mean, I'm sitting on E, mm-hmm. so I got to go to the gas station. If I go, the Lord's going to show me somebody. Mm-hmm. And so it was the anticipation of heading to this mission field. And so every time I go to this gas station, um, uh, I'll tell Darren, hey, I'm, I'm going to get gas. And he'll go, okay, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Okay, well, I'll see you in an hour because we all know <laughs> I'm going to get there and it's because I'm anticipating it. And I think if we will walk through life yeah. looking and anticipating for the mission fields in our lives, the assignments in our lives, then we will we will see more opportunity. And missions doesn't just have to happen overseas. It has to happen right here in our own worlds. And so um, if we will start on purpose, making the opportunity uh, or giving God the opportunity to speak to us mm-hmm. about the mission fields that we're already in or that we're walking into. Um, it'll change your perspective about missions, evangelism, you know, personal encouragement. So whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, 
but it needs to happen here at home. It needs to happen overseas as well. Right. Yeah. So. Oh man, that is so good to just change your perspective, you know, and, and how hard and how easy yeah. that is. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of deciding number one, and then just anticipate, anticipate God moving no matter what, you right. know, he's, he's going to put somebody in your life. And if you, the more you, uh, we talked about this on the first podcast, uh, you buy a car, you, you see that car everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> uh, same thing. You see, you, you start focusing on the needs of others. First of all, your, your needs are going to diminish um, either, either because you've gotten your focus off of it or God has used you to, to meet somebody else's need. Therefore, he's sending somebody else to meet your need. Right. Um, or you just focus on somebody else and it just, it changes your world. But the more you focus, the more you see. And then the more you see, the more you focus. And it's just... It, it expands, yeah. that, right? So whatever you focus on expands. And so it, it, it kind of became, in my first, whenever I first realized that the Lord was kind of uh, jokingly <laughs> sending me to this gas station and every time I would get there, he would speak to me. Um, I started talking about it in Bible study. Um, when we were, uh, and so every time I would go to Bible study, uh, the girls would go, hey, uh, who'd you lead to the Lord today at the Bible study or you know, at, the, at the gas station? And it's been things like uh, I, one particular lady, and I'm not completely convinced that this lady was not an angel, but um, she was on a pump on the other side of the pump from me and she and I were talking uh, I just started off as a, you know, it's just a casual conversation. Mm -hmm. How you doing? And uh, she was having a, she had bugs all over her windshield. And I said, "Would you like me to clean that for you?" And she said, "Oh, that would be great." She had, she was on a walker, and uh, so I started talking to her, and I asked her if she knew Jesus. And she said, "Well, I do." And she said, "But I'm kind of homebound. And I don't really have a chance to go to church anywhere." And I said, "Well, we actually go to church like right down the street. Where do you live?" Well, she literally lives like across the highway from us. And I said, well, if you're willing, I'll come pick you up on Sunday mornings and take you to church. And uh, She said, that would be great. And so she gave me her name and her phone number. And I'm uh, sorry, I got to pray with her and encourage her. And and uh, we left and she was smiling and I was smiling. And, you know, it was, I was 20 minutes late to get to the office, but, <laughs> but that didn't matter. And, uh, and I left. Well, I, tr I tried for months calling that phone number mm -hmm. to try to get a hold of that lady. And I've never been able to. Now, here's what I don't know. I don't know if that was her last day on earth. Yeah. I don't know if she was an angel. I don't know if she gave me the wrong phone number because she thought I was a wacko. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I did what the Lord yeah, prompted right. me to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's that's where making a difference is just, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, the other day, I here's another opportunity. <laughs> Another, the other day I was uh, driving to the, the uh, resale shop to drop off some things that I had decluttered from our house. And uh, on the way there, the Lord spoke to me and said, um, hey, donate two books. And uh, it took me a second because sometimes I forget that that book is out there. And um, I just forget. That you're an author. <laughs> that I'm, that I'm <laughs> so I... Um, I, uh, I said, okay, Lord. Well, then I thought, oh, man, I don't have it. Well, then I remembered that the Lord a couple of years ago told me, uh, I want you to put 10 or, 20 or 10 or so books in your truck, and I want you to keep them in your truck. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know why he did that. Looking back on it, it was because it was because he knew he was going to have to remind me. But he also, it, it was so that the resource was there mm -hmm. whenever he said, hey, I want you to X. And so 
um, I pulled two books out and put them in the basket with the, with the, uh, with the donations and donated them. Um, and I think it's, so I think it's really important to listen to the voice of God, mm -hmm. to, to listen to the still small voice that says, Hey, say hello to that lady on the other side of the pump or, yeah. um, one time at the gas station, <clears throat> sorry, one time at the gas station, there was a, Kate was with me, our daughter, and, uh, there was a gentleman sitting on a ledge um, with his bicycle. He was talking to himself. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go talk to him. And I was like, Lord, he's talking to himself. He doesn't need anybody. <laughs> he, didn't, he doesn't need anybody to talk to him. Lord, he's having his own conversation. <laughs> and the Lord was like, yeah, that's funny. Go talk to him. So I went and sat down next to him. And you know, I, I'm sure he smelled like alcohol and smoke. and you know. But uh, I started talking to him. And he, uh, he was... He, his words were slurred, and he wasn't really making a whole lot of sense. And But I asked him if he knew Jesus, and he kind of shook his head yes. And uh, and, I, and so I asked him, you know, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And he kind of paused and said no. And so I said, well, I was like, let's just pray. Let's just pray and make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, that we're just on the right track. And uh, so I grabbed his hand, and he and I prayed, and I saw a couple of tears roll down his eyes. And... And then all of a sudden he was coherent, you know. Wow. And uh, and we had a little bit of a conversation and everything. And I said, uh, you know, do you need anything? And he said, no, ma'am, I'm good. And I said, okay. So I left. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's when you when it comes to making a difference. Yes, your money can is a great resource. But really, it's your time and your talent, your ability to encourage people, your ability to mm -hmm. point people. That's really, if I had to put it in a nutshell. It's just me constantly trying to point people back to Jesus. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can do that with your finances. Sometimes you need to use your words. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my heart. I mean, everything, when I was thinking about it this morning, the book, the book is actually, um, it was a... Speaking of, I have to happen to have it right here. Uh, the book was actually a... Uh, an obedience thing um, to my father's, my, mm -hmm. my earthly father and my heavenly father. Um, and it was it was to make a difference. I really argued with God about this one because I didn't really want to put it out there. In fact, nobody even really knew about the book until it was just... Uh, yeah, I remember being a little offended that I didn't know about the book. <laughs> yeah, you weren't the only one. Yeah, yeah there, were, there were several people uh, that didn't. It wasn't until I had to... Um, Really put it. In fact, it was, wasn't until I had to hire an editor that it became public to anyone um, here in Southeast Texas. And that was only because my publisher had sent me um, four different editors um, to interview, mm -hmm. and uh, none of them clicked. And it wasn't until Darren said, hey, I think you should hire uh, Robin McEachin, who is um, a friend of ours from church. She's an English teacher. And he said, why don't you just, ask, why don't you just hire Robin to edit it? And I said, because I don't want anybody here to know about it. And he said, honey, somebody's, they're going to find out. <laughs> Your name's plastered all like, over it, yeah. So he's like, I think you should. And then Robin was able to help me. Um, we did actually form a think tank of four women from our Bible study that actually helped me get this to the finish line. And it was, uh, but this is, a, this is a matter of obedience. And this is one of those areas that I just, um, I really had to force myself to be obedient to mm -hmm. do this. And so um, I think it's the reason why I forget sometimes that I'm an author is because I, I, this hat is strange to me. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, well, and it's so personal. It's I very. Mean, per it's, yeah, it, it was a letter to your daughter, yes, right? It started as a letter to my daughter, mm -hmm. and it was it was essentially a. Uh, this is probably one of my greatest, uh, my 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 hardest make a difference resources mm -hmm. because it was a personal letter to my daughter that I wrote after I went through what could only be called an identity crisis. Yeah. And, um, and I won't tell the whole story, but essentially I wrote the letter and then after I wrote the letter, I didn't actually wrote it on my computer. So I didn't realize how long it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wrote it to her because like we talked about last time, uh, or the first time what, that we, I just didn't, um, we knew, I knew I was raising an adult and I didn't want her to have to reinvent the wheel. She was watching me walk it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to write her and she was at the point where she was just about to graduate from high school. And so I wrote her a letter just so I could get it out of my head and be able to put it on paper and hopefully be able to just shove it in her home mm -hmm. chest right. so that she could resource it at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and right after I wrote it, uh, wrote the letter, I, I was asked to speak at a Bible study. And at the Bible study, when the lady asked me what uh, to speak, I knew exactly what the Lord wanted me to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because there's something about putting it in writing yeah. that helps you kind of put it in concrete. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to say cement it. Sol yeah. Solidify it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, I stood up at the Bible study, gave kind of the testimony of, of, that, of the letter of what I'd walked through. And then at the end of it, a lady walked up to me and said, is there any way I could take your notes and use that? And I said, well, I don't actually have notes. Um, and I was like, I just, I just spoke. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, oh, okay. And I said, well, let me, what I'll do is I'll, I'll email you the, uh, the letter mm -hmm. that I wrote to my daughter. Well, I tried to email it to her the next day, super busy, um, she couldn't get it. It was too big. That was when I realized it must have been pretty long because I had just written it on a Word document mm -hmm. on my computer. And then when I um, when I tried to email it, it didn't work. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to throw it up on Facebook and I'll let you grab it. Um, but that was probably like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And then I forgot about it. She didn't call me again. She didn't text me. Um, so I just kind of forgot about it. Well, it wasn't until much later that evening, 8 or 9 o'clock that evening, that I got a text message from a real estate agent who I knew this agent, but I didn't know her really, really well. And what I knew of her was that she was very, very private, super mm -hmm. professional, um, a real go-getter, high, pro you know, high productivity um, agent. And so... Um, I didn't really feel like I ran in the same league with her, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so anyway, she texted me and she said, I just want you to know that um, I, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I didn't even realize I was going through this, but you have no idea. But And so I read this text message and I'm thinking, what in the world did I, what did I, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you know, what did I say? When was the last time I saw her? And then as I, um, and then it dawned on me that she was referencing the thing on Facebook. And so I jumped on Facebook. There were several people that had commented about it. And I was like, wow, okay, well, I took it off of Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, now, I took it off of Facebook. And I'm not even going to say that was a God thing. In fact, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a God thing. I probably should have just left it. But the reason why I pulled it down was because it's a very yeah raw mm -hmm. <laughs> thing. And so, and people didn't know I was walking through that whenever I was walking through it. And so, um, and so, uh, 
it's not that I'm super private. It's just that it was very raw. And uh, so I took it off of Facebook. And uh, fast forward two weeks later, my dad was rushed to the hospital uh, with some medical issues and thankfully was fine. But we were right in the middle of COVID. And so mm-hmm. I had switched places with my dad. Well, I'm sorry, with my mom to go up uh, and see my dad. And she was out of the car when I went to go see my dad. Um, the night before, I had stayed at their house. Uh, when I sat in my dad's chair, that letter, he had printed that letter out off of Facebook, and it was sitting wow. right next to his chair. And that's when I realized it was 18 pages long, uh, which is insane. <laughs> in a Word, do- <laughs> in so, a Word yeah, document. In a Word yeah. document. Um, but he had printed it out and was reading it whenever he had this medical emergency. And so when I went up to go see him in the hospital, he said, uh, I read your and I was like, well, yeah, I saw you printed it out. We're reading it next to your chair. And he said, um, Susan, I think you should make that into a book. And I said, Daddy, it was just a, it was just a letter to Kate. It's mm-hmm. not a, and he kind of looked at me and said, I think it should be a book. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a little bit of a daddy's girl. Yeah. yeah. And so when your daddy tells you to do something, you do it. But then on top of that, if you put him in a hospital room after a medical scare mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you definitely do what your daddy tells you to do and sure. so it was that night on the way home from the hospital from houston that i called a friend of mine whose mom was a published author and i said hey what does this look like and she said well she's like we actually know that our publisher really well and she's like i'll i'll send you her number um she sent me her number and i left it on my desk for a couple of days um and then i called her uh you know, a few days later, and whenever she answered the phone, I, I didn't even think I could get to her, but once I got through her, her uh, secretary and stuff, um, I called her, and whenever I said my name, she said, oh, I've been expecting your call. Wow. She said, uh, my friend had called her and said, I don't know what this girl's doing, but whatever she's doing, you should just say yes to it. And so just out of, out of so I pitched the book to her, and she loved it, and then, um, but just out of kind of making sure that we were on the right track, we also sent it to four other publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we didn't hear anything back from them for um, a couple of weeks. And Darren and I had prayed about it and said, Lord, if this is something you want us to do, or uh, like we knew we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't really sure who to go with. There were several different publishers, a couple of them Christian publishers and uh, we just didn't know if it would be better for us to go with a Christian publisher or not mm-hmm. and, um, so we just kind of put a time frame on it and said Lord two weeks um, we're just going to say two weeks and none of them responded to us in two weeks um, and so the on the 15th day I uh, I, I called my publisher and said we're going to go forward with you guys and mm-hmm. uh, what do I need to do she sent me the contracts and I signed the contracts the publishing contracts that day and then uh, the next day, on the 15th, 16th day, we got calls back from both two other publishers. Mm-hmm. And so we just knew. We knew that, that was the publisher where we were supposed to go with. And, um, so this was a, uh, this is one of the ways that, uh, this was one of the lessons that the Lord showed me that making a difference was something that uh, could hurt a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. it sure is fun to be the person who gets the right, you know, the the check to be able to buy pizzas for kids in in an orphanage and that's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. it doesn't really cost you a lot in terms of uncomfortableness yeah this was one of the first opportunities that the lord said 
hey, I do want you to make a difference, and this one's not going to be mm-hmm. easy on your flesh. And so um, anybody that knows me knows that I don't really have a problem talking to a stranger. So talking to the people at the gas station or something like that yeah. isn't really something that I struggle with. I know a lot of people do struggle with that. That's just not this. This was a little bit different, um, putting it out there in a way that was so raw. And well, stuff. And I think a lot of times... Christians especially, you know, we've been saved, we've been sanctified, you know, we're living, um, walking as close to Jesus as we know how to, and so we become professional actors. Oh, you know, we, we've got to look like we've got it all together, and it will, we'll let our guard down amongst friends and, you know, family that we trust, uh, but we don't really put it out there for the world. Yeah. But then when God says, you know, I've got a very prominent real estate agent that needs to hear what you have to say, but you don't think y'all travel in the same circles. Right. Um, so now I have to circumvent all of that right. and, and get an opportunity for your story to get to her. Right. That, is, that is uncomfortable, you oh, know, yeah. you to, to be that raw and open with people. I've read the book. Um, I, I knew a little bit of your story as you were going through it because we talked about you getting fired by Darren, yeah, and or God fired you, God fired uh, me first. Yeah. and uh, after and, Darren fired, me. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and how hard that was, right? You know, yeah. because that's your identity. I I know when I was going through some things in my life, I went to therapy, and I sat down, and the very first thing that the Christian therapist said, "Tell me a little bit about yourself." <laughs> Well, my name is, yeah, (laughs) my name is Julie, uh, you know, Jonathan and Leslie are my kids, blah, 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 I'm a teacher, I'm a, and she said, no, tell me who you are, yeah, tell me about you, and I just, tears just started flowing down my face because I had no No idea, idea. no idea. Yeah, I think women do this, women do this more, um, we, we really do this well. Like when it mm-hmm. comes to losing our identities, we lose them really, really. Now men, um, one of the things that shocked me the most about the book was the conversations that I had with men that read it. Um, it's really designed to be a workbook and it's designed to be something that you kind of walk through slowly. Mm-hmm. It's not something, you could read the whole book in 20 minutes, probably mm-hmm. if you're a fast reader. It's the workbook pages that a lot yeah. of people, that you're supposed to take your time on. Um, but I've had men walk up to me and say, um, I didn't realize that I had lost my identity in my job, but I had. And um, and you see it all the time. If a man loses his job, it could really rock his world. Yeah. Because he because it was it was <laughs> something that really felt like that's where he was supposed to be, and yet it's it's not his calling. Yeah. I mean, like possibly should interject here a conversation with your husband about identity and calling <laughs> and assignments because yeah. the. Um, because he's walked it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and many of us have. It's it's when you lose your if you lose your identity or if you forget your identity. Yeah. Um. If you're not careful, you will miss your calling mm-hmm. and then fail your assignment. And that's the quote that we talk about when we talk about the book is that. Yeah. Um. Your identity doesn't change. Like we we change our perspective of our identity. Yeah. But your identity is in Christ, and so. You have to go back to knowing what your identity is in Him. Mm-hmm. Your calling doesn't really change. Your assignment will change. And that's that's what was changing in my world whenever I got fired by God. Mm, yeah. yeah. And same thing Same thing with Jerry. Jerry got <laughs> literally fired by God. Right. Um, and and that, is hard to, that is hard to do. But um, when you turn around and you dig like you did, peel the layers of the onion back and go, okay, 
this is what I was. I know Jerry did the same thing, yeah. and and by you know uh, osmosis. By yeah, <laughs> I, I went through it with him. Right. Okay, so what is my right assignment and calling and identity well, in relationship to what yeah what he's going exactly. through? How can I help him and not make him feel less than a man because he doesn't have because men's identity are providers. That's what God made exactly. them to be. Right. And if they weren't able to do that for whatever reason, you know, Jerry has gone through it a couple of times. Yes. Once was not of his doing. Neither one of them were actually of his doing. Uh, but the next time was a health reason. Yeah. But that was God stripping him away, <clears throat> uh, stripping the world away from right. him and bringing him back to his identity and right. his calling and exactly. his assignment, which is where we're at now. Right. But and that's yet another way. I know we this, this whole episode is about making a difference. That is one more way that Susan Cooper Creel has found a way to make a difference in lives. And that is by putting yourself out there and telling your story of what you went through when you lost your identity or lost your way getting back to your identity. And by the way, the book is called uh, My Journey to Finding My Identity, Calling, and Assignment and the Difference in the Three. Longest title ever. The longest (laughs) title. It'll take you less time to read the book than it does you read the first page. But it is, um, do it slow. I've done it both ways. I've, the first, the first, uh, few pages are, um, let's see, there's some blank pages, but there are some written pages. Yeah. And so I've done it both ways. Um, I want to go back and, and start over. I was I was reading this book. I had brought it with me on location. And um, another man, a man that I had, we were actually in his home uh, with his wife. And his book was sitting on the counter. And I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, Stephen, Um, because his wife taught my podcasting class. So I'm sure she's listening. Um, Stephen had written a book, and the subtitle had to do with identity. And I I held up your book. I'm like, "Uh, yes, Lord, I am listening. So um, when I get through with your book, then I'm going to be starting his. You know, you thumb through books. And uh, I was thumbing through his book, and the first sentence I came across said, he was a wife beater. I went, Ooh. okay, and that was in the middle of the book. So um, so that's definitely something that I think God, not the wife beating part, but the, ident- <laughs> the identity, Sorry, yeah, uh, the identity is um, something that God is, is calling me to, to a deeper uh, look at as he was slapping me upside the head with both books. But um, once again, we have come to it is so easy to talk to you. I, I could just, you and I could just banter back and forth just for, turn the, yes. Turn the mic on every the, time. My husband, uh, every time we go out to eat with friends, with y'all and, and some other couples, we'll stand around after we eat and Jerry's like, oh, here they go into the black hole. Yeah. My husband and your husband walk off. Oh, yes. And yeah. uh, they just kind of, yeah. If we could. If, if they, they could, could yeah. yeah. Uh, they just kind of lean up against the car and wait for the wives to disengage. Right. So, Thank you so much again for sitting down with me, and this will not be the last time we do this. Uh, there, there are so many layers to your onion that I want to peel back and uh, just, you know, we we still have lots of things to talk oh, yeah. about. And um, as long as it, I just just we're just pointing everybody back to Jesus, and that's it, and that's, that's it. That's again, we want you know we want everybody to realize anything that we say that 
we've done or that Darren and Susan have done, that Jerry and Julie have done, it's not for our glory. It's it's to point people back to Jesus right. and it's to make a difference in in the world right. and 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 in eternity. Right. So um, we're just thankful that we're on different levels on, on how we can make differences, but we're able to make differences in our world and in the world. And whether it's time, talent, or resources, right. it doesn't take much, especially if you're doing it from your heart, you know, a simple smile, um, a $500 check when you can do that will, you know, feed an entire orphanage in a, in a war-torn world. Um, just to my prime majors that are out there, just find something to do to make a difference in somebody's life. And you, you don't know how much of a difference it's going to make in your own. Um, and just, just get out there and do it. Anything that you can find, you know, put your, put your hand to the plow and make a difference. And uh, thank you, Susan, for showing us what that's so like. Much. And uh, I love you big. And we're going to talk to you again soon. And prime majors, remember, you always have a choice. So please choose joy. See you next time. I'm really glad you joined me for today's episode. If you heard something that spoke to you, please take a second and share this podcast across the social media platforms. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at JJ Life on Purpose so we can stay connected. Until next time, remember, you always have a choice, so choose joy.